Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. King Thrushbeard. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. A king had a daughter who was beautiful beyond all measure. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds very familiar to some other stories I've heard. But she was so proud and haughty that no suitor was good enough for her. She sent away one after the other and ridiculed them as well. (laughs) (laughs) Roasting them as they get sort of refused. As you wait. (laughs) Once the king made a great feast and invited there from afar and near all the young men likely to marry. They were all marshalled in a row according to their rank and standing. First came the kings, then the grand dukes, then the princes, the earls, the barons and the gentry. Then the king's daughter was led through the ranks, but to every one she had some objection to make. One was too fat. A wine cask, she said. (laughs) Slam. He's been taken down. (laughs) Another was too tall. Long and thin, has little in. (laughs) I'll use that one. The third was too short. Short and thick is never quick. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. I don't think you want to even think about that. No, me neither. What? The fourth was too pale. As pale as death. The fifth, too red. A fighting cock. The sixth was not straight enough. (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm getting worried. (laughs) A green log dried behind the stove. What? I don't know I don't what know. that means. I don't know he what looked at her like, I don't even understand my one. You're too straight. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's just, that is uh, dev- absolute devastation. Oh, she is such a savage. So she had something to say against everyone, but she made herself especially merry over a good king who stood quite high up in the row and whose chin had grown a little crooked. Well, she cried and laughed. He has a chin like a thrush's beak. And from that time on, he got the name of King Thrushbeard. (gasps) Origin story. (laughs) That's where the nickname comes from. And then the opening credits start. (laughs) Okay. Are you you with me? From wonky chin to thrush's beak to thrushbeard. Yeah. Okay. I think by chin, she means beard. I, I can right. only assume. He's got a crooked beard. Yes. <laughs> How does a beard grow crooked? I guess I'll find out. Do you reckon you'll find out? No, so. I, don't, I don't know. But the old king, when he saw that his daughter did nothing but mock the people and despised all the suitors who were gathered there, was very angry and swore mm. that she would have for her husband the very first beggar that came to his doors. A few days afterwards, a fiddler came and sang beneath the windows, trying to earn a small alms. Why didn't he fiddle? <laughs> Why is he singing? <laughs> Why is, he's a fiddler. When the king <laughs> he sang beneath the window, well spotted. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Just wait for the plot holes, though. Oh, I can't wait. When the king heard him, he said, let him come up. So the fiddler came in in his mm-hmm. dirty, ragged clothes and sang before the king and his daughter. And when he had ended, he asked for a trifling gift. The king said, your song has pleased me so well that I will give you my daughter to wed. 
The king's daughter shuddered, but the king said, Now I have taken an oath to give you to the very first beggar, and I will keep it. All she could say was in vain. The priest was brought, and she had to let herself be wedded to the fiddler on the spot. I mean, not... It's not great, is it, being forced to... To marry a singing fiddler? Yeah, singing Mm. fiddler, beggar, man. But it's happened. She's married the fiddler. When that was done, the king said... Now it's not proper for you, a beggar woman, to stay any longer in my palace. You may just go away with your husband. So she's married him, and so she's now yeah. a beggar woman. Yeah, this has all happened in about five minutes yeah, as well. Yeah, it's like, I do. Right, get, get out. Get, go on. <laughs> the beggar led her out by the hand, and she was obliged to walk away on foot with him. When they came to a large forest, she asked, To whom does that beautiful forest belong? It belongs to King Thrushbeard. If you'd taken him, it would have been yours. Unhappy girl that I am, if I had but taken King Thrushbeard. Oh, she's She's kicking herself. Too late now. Well, it is really. Afterwards, they came to a meadow, and she asked again, To whom does this beautiful green meadow belong? It belongs to King Thrushbeard. If you'd taken him, it would have been yours. Ah, unhappy girl that I am, if I had but taken King Thrushbeard. Then they came to a large town, and she asked again, To whom does this fine large town belong? It belongs to King Thrushbeard. If you'd taken him, it would have been yours. How come he owns so much property? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, unhappy girl that I am if I had but taken King Thrushbeard. It does not please me, said the fiddler, to hear you always wishing for another husband. Am I not good enough for you? At last they came to a very little hut, and she said, Oh, goodness, what a small house. To whom does this miserable shack belong? The fiddler answered, That is my house and yours, where we shall live together. She had to stoop in order to enter the low door. Where are the servants? said the king's daughter. What servants? answered the beggar. You must do for yourself what you wish to have done. Just make a fire at once and set water to cook my supper. I'm quite tired. But the king's daughter knew nothing about lighting fires or cooking. And the beggar had to lend a hand to get anything fairly done. When they had finished their scanty meal, they went to bed. But he forced her to get up quite early in the morning in order to look after the house. For a few days they lived in this way, until they came to the end of all their provisions. Then the man said, Wife, we cannot go on any longer eating and drinking here and earning nothing. You must weave baskets. (laughs) What the? (laughs) I bet she couldn't have seen that coming either. (laughs) What are we going to do? Oh, weave baskets. <laughs> We've run out of food. There's one thing for it. Baskets. He went out, cut some willows and brought them home. Then she began to weave. But the tough willows wounded her delicate hands. Oh, dear. I see that this will not do, said the man. You'd better spin. Perhaps you can do that better. She sat down and tried to spin. But the hard thread soon cut her soft fingers so that the blood ran down. Get gloves. <laughs> I'd just be like, gloves, gloves, gloves. Uh, she'd never learn her lesson, Adam. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> See, said the man, you are fit for no sort of work. I've made a bad bargain with you. Now, I will try to make a business with pots and earthenware. You must sit at the marketplace and sell them. <laughs> okay, <so> he, <laughs> wow. Why has he got so many business ideas? He's very, very entrepreneurial. <laughs> Alas, thought she. If any of the people from my father's kingdom come to the market and see me sitting there selling, how they will mock me. But it was of no use. She had to yield unless she chose to die of hunger. Whoa. It's getting quite dreary, isn't it? It is. It's gone downhill. Quite a sad picture they paint. Mm. I I don't think either of them are particularly happy with this marriage. (laughs) No, this... (laughs) 
just a picture of a sad marriage. It really is. However, for the first time, she succeeded. For the people were glad to buy the woman's wares because she was good looking. <laughs> okay, come right out and say it. And they're not beating around the bush here. <laughs> and they paid her what she asked. Many even gave her the money and left the pots with her as well. <laughs> so they're just like, oh. No, it's so beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. Do you want the... Bu- no, it's okay. <laughs> so they lived on what she had earned as long as it lasted. And then the husband brought a new supply of crockery. So she, she's gone to the market, sold everything. They're living off that. And now that's run out. But where's he getting the new crockery from? Wholesale. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Puts a decent mark up on it. So she's got the new crockery. And with this, she sat down at the corner of the marketplace and set it out around her ready for sale. But suddenly, there came a drunken huzzah galloping along. And he rode right amongst the pots so that they were all broken into a thousand bits. Oh, clumsy oaf. She began to weep and did not know what to do for fear. Alas! What will happen to me? cried she. Uh What will my husband say to this? She ran home and told him of the misfortune. Who would see herself at the corner of the marketplace with crockery? said the man. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't know. Stop crying. I see very well that you cannot do any ordinary work. So I've been to our king's palace and have asked whether they can find a place for a kitchen maid and they've promised me to take you. In that way, you will get your food for nothing. Uh-oh. Uh, is she going to come face-to-face with you-know-who? <laughs> My lips are sealed. <laughs> the king's daughter was now a kitchen maid and had to be at the cook's beck and call and do all the dirtiest work. In both her pockets, she fastened a little jar in which she took home her share of the scraps, and upon this they lived. Wow. What? This is... She's fixed jars into her pockets. Yeah. And so, like, when they're not looking, she's, like, sweeping the worktop, like... Right? Exactly. What, yeah. is, what is she getting? Crumbs? A bit of vegetable peels? She's been brought low. That, wow, that's, that's what we Yeah, know. this is sad. So that's, that's the situation. Sure. Working in the palace, living off scraps. Yeah. It happened that the wedding of the king's eldest son was to be celebrated. So the poor woman went up and placed herself by the door of the hall to watch. When all the candles were lit and people each more beautiful than the other, entered, and all was full of pomp and splendour. She thought of her fate with a sad heart, and cursed the pride and haughtiness which had humbled her and brought her to so great poverty. The smell of the delicious dishes which were being taken in and out reached her, and now and then the servants threw her a few morsels of them. These she put in her jars to take home. Suddenly, the king's son entered, clothed in velvet and silk, with gold chains about his neck. Oh, yeah! He's just burst in. (laughs) In the house. (laughs) Guess who's back. (laughs) Yeah. And when he saw the beautiful woman standing by the door, he seized her by the hand and would have danced with her. But she refused and shrank with fear. For she saw that it was King Thrushbeard, her suitor whom she had driven away with scorn. Wait, what? I thought he was Prince Thrushbeard. This is King Thrushbeard. Yeah, okay. Who's his dad then? This is a big plot hole. Massive plot hole. So What's going on here? King Thrushbeard is the king's son who's going to get married. Right. Okay. But the land belongs to his dad, presumably. Even though he's described as King Thrushbeard. Let's not get into the sort okay. of constitution and legal issues here. Okay. Maybe we can deal with that later. Sure. Just, you know, he, King this Thrushbeard's is king here Thrushbeard. to get married. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But he's seen a beautiful woman and he's grabbed her. She shrunk in fear, recognising him. But he doesn't recognise her. He just sees a a, a fine-looking lady. Yeah. Her struggles were of no avail. 
He pulled her into the hall. But the band to which her pockets were fastened broke. The pots fell down. The soup ran out. And the scraps were scattered all about. That is embarrassing. When the people saw it, there arose a general laughter and derision. (laughs) And she was so ashamed that she would rather have been a thousand fathoms below the ground. She sprang to the door and would have run away. But on the stairs, a man caught her and brought her back. And when she looked at him, it was King Thrushbeard again. Wait, what? He's just... He's he's like like gone... He's behind her, (laughs) and then he's suddenly outside. He's magic. Am I a king or a prince? Where am I? (laughs) (laughs) He said to her kindly, Do not be afraid. I am the fiddler who has been living with you in that wretched pigsty. For love of you, I disguised myself so. And I was also the hussar who wrote through your crockery. This was all done to humble your proud spirit <laughs> and to punish you for the insolence with which you mocked me. Then she wept bitterly and said, I have done a great wrong and am not worthy to be your wife. But he said, Be comforted. The evil days are past. Now we will celebrate our wedding. <laughs> Then the maids-in-waiting came and dressed her in the most splendid clothing, and her father and his whole court came and wished her happiness in her marriage with King Thrushbeard, and the joy now began in earnest. I wish you and I had been there too. The end. didn't get the invite <laughs> that I, what <laughs> okay I know you're not gonna believe me here okay I'm nervous but the thought occurred to me as the fiddler man was walking her through she'd seen the yeah, forest she's yeah. seen the meadow that belongs to King Thrushbeard the thought occurred to me is he King of Thrushbeard and mm. then I immediately went no that'd be mental Turns out he was. <laughs> and it is mental. <laughs> yes. Yes and yes. It's a mental story. It's just absurd, isn't it? It's There's just so many ridiculous. plot holes. It's ridiculous. I'm so... I, I did trust you to find the plot holes. Because I was <laughs> reading this them. thinking... <laughs> I'll sniff them out. I thought this is just riddled with plot it's, holes. It, yeah. Big plot hole. Yeah. He's known for his thrush-like beard. Which you would instantly recognise. So if he's the fiddler, has he shaved it off? Or has he put a little beard hat on it? Because... (laughs) A little beard hat. Or does he just magically grow it back right at the end? Maybe. Yeah, because because he's thrush-beard with the beard at the end, so... How would she not recognise him? It doesn't make sense. As you discovered in the story, I was really hoping you wouldn't. It says the king's son's about to get married. Yeah. It turns out that's King Thrushbeard. So who's his dad? Who's his dad? Grand King. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was a, yeah, co-regency kind of situation. Regency situation. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Does (laughs) it? I think that wallpaper's over the plot hole there. There's so, like, there's so many plot And when she runs away from him and he's outside and he, like, he's he's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's just, like... Slightly terrifying as well. You can't get away from him. You can't get away from him and his thrushy beard. <laughs> and then when he, he reveals it at the end, yeah. she doesn't go, 
you did what? <laughs> she goes, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, she's obnoxious at the beginning. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Short and but, thick. But she was... She was she's maybe been raised poorly. Well, I don't know. She's, she's someone that's come from a great status and clearly yeah. looks down on people. I'm not sure that really warrants this, this yeah. skullduggery. Being dragged through the mud. Yeah. Going all kitchen sink on it. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder No wonder he had such plentiful access to crockery. He's the king. <laughs> there we go. There we go. It all makes sense <laughs> There's no piles anymore. How did he set up a crockery business so easily? <laughs> <laughs> I like that he was like, I was also the hussar who smashed yeah, all know. your pots up. That was unnecessary. That bit was for fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Wow. Another plot hole. Go on. Thrushbeard. Yeah. So, supposedly... She says he has a, a, a beard crooked like a thrush's beak. Right. Right. So, naturally, the first thing I did was look up thrushes. Yeah, what do thrushes look like? Well, I'll show you because I've brought my hey. RSPB Pocket Birds of Britain and Europe book. That's that okay. lovely blue tit on the front. Thank you. <laughs> um, thrushes. Yep. I got, I got four thrushes for you here. Oh, <laughs> it's my lucky day. Now, the only one... Uh-huh. Could vaguely be considered to have a crooked beak is the rock thrush. The I'm going to pass you thrush, but even then, that's a stretch. They have perfectly normal beaks. There's nothing crooked about these fellas, right? In fact, it it describes it as a stout, spiky bill. Not crooked. Not crooked. Like the king's beards. Nothing yeah. crooked about uh, it, is there? I completely I w- agree. I, there is nothing crooked about that. I don't know if... The, I, I worry that the <laughs> RSPB had got it wrong, so I looked it up online. Nothing no. about it. I, even just a cursory flick through that book, I found several birds with crooked beaks. Yeah. Could have like, could have picked any other one. Yeah. Choff. Choff. King don't Choff know what beard. That is. Choff beard, yeah. That's a great name. Ravens have quite crooked beaks. Raven beard. King Raven beard. Yeah. That's a good name. It is a story. good name. And there's no uh, confusion there with uh, something that you don't want to Google. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah that I hadn't even considered the bird because <laughs> my mind went yeah. a different route. Um, yeah. Also, moreover, she's picked an adorable little bird to name yeah. them after. Look at that little cutie. They're lovely, aren't they? Yeah. Wow, that is that's a stupid yeah. insult. Yeah. <laughs> <Thrush> <laughs> <beard>. <laughs> he pull out his book of pocket birds. I think <laughs> you'll find Princess. <laughs> She's like, don't. If anything, it's like a raven's. <laughs> yeah, big plot hole there. Another That's big plot hole. Gaping. I mean, they lined up a lot of people at the start by the sounds of it. Also, I had yeah. a question from that because it said lined up according to sort of rank. Yeah. And it said, yeah. it went kings. To Grand Dukes, <laughs> yeah. to Princes. So does Grand Duke beat Prince? You're right, yeah. Grand Duke first. What even is a Grand Duke? Let's find out. Grand Duke is a European hereditary title for either certain monarchs or members of certain monarchs' families. Okay. It's traditionally ranked in order of precedence below the title of Emperor, King or Archduke and above that of Sovereign Prince or Sovereign Duke. <laughs> I mean, you can't fault the story there. It's a hundred percent accurate. That's like Wikipedia was answering your very yeah, specific that's question. That's fantastic. I love it when I, I get an answer like that. It's that's, just fan- that's all I needed. It rarely happens on Grim Reading. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh but that answers that one. Wow. Okay.
So, okay, let, let's get down to brass tacks. Let's you do know, it. what is that story about, right? It's about this girl has to, like, be dragged through the mud to earn her place back in high society as an obedient wife to some idiot king bloke. Right. It's nasty, isn't it? Isn't it? Do you know what? I'm trying to think which of our many platforms this was, but we did get a message at some point. Might have been recently, might have been a little while ago. Someone mentioned Mm -hmm. King Thrushbeard as one of their least favourite stories. I think that was on the poll. That's where I saw it. And um, I can see why. (laughs) In terms of, I mean, we touched on sexism, obviously, in the fairy tales. This feels bad. It does feel bad, it doesn't it? Really it bad. does feel bad. Um, it's it's one of the most. I felt it's one of the most kind of clear in what it's trying to say. There's yes. not much ambiguity. Like there's even a bit where it specifically says when she's watching the wedding, it's like, and at that moment she realised that her haughtiness and pride right. had brought her to this point, Doesn't, and yeah, and she had learnt her. Le- it's like it's really specific, like. Yeah. When she's totally broken, the story is like, aha, she's broken. And yeah. And, and that's it, states, a good thing. it states it explicitly, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. Basically, she learned her lesson, and this has all been about her. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, we don't normally get, actually. We something don't actually. quite so didactic, so like hammering home a message. Absolutely. And the way it, I mean, it, it was satisfying in a way that it appeared to meander, but then it. It brought it back at the end, and it gave previous events in the story fresh perspective in that way. Hmm. Okay. That some postmodern films might or something. Oh, okay, I'm lost. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it, it did come full circle, because that could easily have been a linear meander. Yeah. But actually, at the end, he's like, no, I was King Thrushbeard. The guy from the And beginning. so all this random stuff that happened... It happened because X, Y, Z, and because I'm teaching you a lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a sense of purpose to it all, rather than it just being a random, weird fairy tale. Just a a journey. We just go from A to B to C. Yeah. Yeah. But it brought her back to the beginning, back to that original Mm -hmm. transgression of being rude to people. Yeah. And it did kind of come full circle. It's sort of like the whole story is her being punished from what happened at the beginning. Yeah. Whereas perhaps in a normal fairy tale something bad happening at home forces the kid to leave like Hansel and Gretel or Rapunzel. Yeah. And then they go on a journey and then they marry someone elsewhere, another king or whatever. Yeah. And it's, you forget about what happened before. But you do. It's about leaving that behind. And there's a sense with those stories of like fate or destiny that, you know, you've you've arrived at where you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. Whereas this, it's like, no, 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 no. You've got to learn a lesson here to get back to where you were. Mm. Do, Do you know what I mean? That, I mean, that's so interesting because uh, I, I remember from one of uh, Maria Tatar's books, who we, we interviewed her at the end we of did. last series, yeah. she said something like female heroes and male heroes go on very different journeys. Right. And actually the female hero's journey normally, or kind of, you know, as mm-hmm. a rule, is she is at a high station is dragged down yeah. and then goes back to where she was. Which is, describes this perfectly. Which is exactly what you're saying yeah. as well. It's literally exactly what you're saying. Whereas a male ends at a higher position than yeah. he started the story. Yeah, yeah. Literally exactly what you said. Yeah. And that is what uh, fairy tale scholar Maria Tatar identified go. as well. Fantastic. That's great. 
I can feel the uh, the story is forcing you to think of these characters in certain ways. So it wants kind of King Thrushbeard to be quite uh, noble, noble, yeah, uh, heroic man. Yeah. Whereas I just thought he's just a bit of a, a an idiot. Yeah. He's just like I was the one who lived with you in that wretched pigsty. Yeah. Like, oh, it is a wretched pigsty. It's not that she's learned to live a more humble life. No. It's like, no, yeah, that was a horrible place. And yeah. I, I did it to humble you. And like, no. No, that, you're absolutely right. That yeah. is awful. So yeah, you could see it as, you know, very sexist, right? Mm-hmm. I thought maybe you could argue, though, on the other side. Sure. It might just as well have been a prince. So actually, it's about being respectful and doing your duty or not abusing your position or your power yeah. at the expense of others. Yeah. However, I think that's very generous. Yeah, I'd say that's quite generous. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I think were it to not have quite a few other elements to the story, you might make that case. But there's mm. a lot of kind of nastiness piled on top of each other <laughs> in the story. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah. The whole, we see it a lot, obviously. Yeah. Forced marriage from the father onto the daughter, you know. She's got to pick someone in this line and obviously she's quite rude and that's nasty. But mm. at the same time, she's being forced to marry someone she doesn't want yeah. anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole like framework of yeah. this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's quite, it's got quite a lot of nasty elements to it. It's a bit of a shame because it felt like at the beginning it was so much fun. Uh, it's a when fun she, story. When she's insulting them all at the beginning. It's fantastic. I'm loving it. Yeah, me too. And then within a few paragraphs, it's she has to choose to... Uh, do something that's making her hands bleed or she'll die of hunger. And it's yeah. like, oh. I know. It's, a bit, it's a bit extreme, isn't it? A bit dark, hasn't yeah. it? It was all so much fun. It was. What was it? Some, you're a log behind the fire, mate. <laughs> as pale as death. <laughs> a fighting cock. <laughs> I loved all that stuff. That's that great. A wine cask. <laughs> I mean, it's very rude. <laughs> that is very rude. <laughs> One thing I noticed, it's very similar to Thousand Thurs in a lot of ways. Yes, not least because uh, there's several mentions of the word thousand, which stood out to me. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, wow. Yeah. It did to me, okay. several places. Like crockery broken All the crockery th- broken into a thousand pieces. She'd rather be a thousand fathoms below oh, the wow. surface. But that's yeah, cool. to, the, the idea of the, her in the kitchen, you know. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That felt very similar yeah. to thousand first. And witnessing the party and all of this. Yeah, exactly. But also the whole premise, it's technically stripped down. It's a princess brought low because she spurned someone's advances. Right. In Thousand First, she told her father not yeah. to marry her. Yeah. But exactly the same thing happens. She ends up working in another palace kitchen, watching a big wedding about to take place. And she sneaks upstairs to get away. Yeah. And also, in that episode, I read to you She-Bear... Which is uh, yeah. like medieval Italian version of Thousand Thirds. Never forget. Never forget Sheba. <laughs> and in that story, at the beginning, the king lines up loads of women and judges them all. Wait, in Sheba? Yeah. Does that happen? It does. Whoa. And that is exactly what happened here. Is that an old custom or something? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I hope not. So there's a lot of crossovers with Thousand yeah. Thirds, I thought. Which was, if, if you're a new listener, that was a good episode, actually. It was a that good was, episode. It's a good story. Yeah. It's a good story. Better than this, would you say? Ooh, hold fire. Hold your horses. (laughs) Cease fire, man.
found quite a cool article from Tor.com, T-O-R.com, which compares this princess to real-life princesses who spurned marriage proposals. Oh, wow. Okay. So seeing if there's a kind of parallel in real life. What do In real life, do they get <laughs> married off to a strange fiddler and live in a cabin in the woods and the crockery gets smashed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it? Did it happen? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> princesses have always been used to form marriage alliances, and they often yes. had very little control over whom they married, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that technically throughout history, they've been in a worse position than women in a lower class than them. Right. Because they would have more choice. In, yeah. Whereas a princess is, you are kind of, you're used for politics, really. Yeah. You're married to create peace or unity between houses. Yeah. You actually don't have much yeah. agency. Yeah. But the article uh, on tour.com points to two instances Ooh. of princesses supposedly standing up for themselves. Okay. So a bit like uh, this one. I'm all ears. Henry VIII. He's not technically a princess. <laughs> I mean... No, but he did come up in The Frog King. Henry so VIII. this is our second yeah. Henry VIII uh, mention. Yeah. The, the, whole, the, whole, the whole conceit of this is just so I can say Henry VIII again. <laughs> um, Henry VIII, famous for having a lot of wives. Very famous. When Henry VIII offered Christina of Denmark the chance to be his fourth wife, she supposedly responded to him... Short and fat. You look like her. <laughs> yeah, no. If I had two heads, one should be at the King of England's disposal. Which is a great way That's, to reject a marriage proposal. It's fantastic. I mean, it only applies to him, really. It's very specific <laughs> true, to him. That's true. It's great, though. <laughs> yeah, if, like, if, if someone proposes to you and you say, if I had two heads, you could have one. They'll just go, what? <laughs> and start crying. Um... So basically, that's a kind of uh, withering put-down of a suitor. Sure. However, in reality, I guess a bit like our princess, Christina of Denmark, her uncle was the Holy Roman Emperor, and he was actually the one dictating who she could marry. Mm-hmm. So it sounds pretty uh, badass, her response, but it might be apocryphal, and also there mm-hmm. was a man behind the scenes controlling who she chose. So probably she wouldn't say that necessarily if she knew she was going to have to exactly yeah yeah, yeah. it's just a, a real life good story of a withering put down ah, that's fantastic <laughs> it's the tudor equivalent of uh, tall and thin has little <laughs> yeah in 1814 okay a bit more recent only two years after thrushbeard was first published <gasps> princess charlotte of wales daughter of the king of england broke off her engagement by fleeing from a building into the street Hopping on a hackney cab and then hiding out at her relatives for a while. Oh, wow. Until Good it all one. blew over. Good one. And later she did indeed marry a prince of her choice. Hey. But yeah, I thought that was a great little article there with some real life That's examples. That's really cool. I love that. In German, the story is called Konig Drosselbart, King mm-hmm. uh, Thrushbeard. The Grimm's main source was the Hassenpflug family from Hanau, mm-hmm. supplemented by Dorchen Wild and Ludovine Haxthausen. Keep those names in mind for oh, next episode. You'll be hearing from them. So throughout Europe, there are various Thrushbeard-style folktales, usually even more offensive and brutal than oh, the one wow. I just read you. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to hear the titles? Yes, please. <laughs> the Crumb in the Beard. <laughs> the Crumb in the Beard. <laughs> That's from Italy. Greyfoot. Greyfoot. From Denmark. Peter Redhat. 
also that's from not an Denmark. insult. He should got a red hat. <laughs> that yeah, no, that was it. The um, the prince in that one, he swapped his clothes with a beggar called Peter Red Hat, who's known for his red hat. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I'll be Peter that's Red Hat. That's great. Um, Peter Red Hat. That's like a character from a Guy Ritchie film. <laughs> Peter Red Hat. It's called Peter Red Hat. Know why? It's called Red Hat. <laughs> a couple of the big famous fairy tale writers have uh, had a go at this as well. From Norway, the writers Abjornsen and Moe. Friends of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're long dead. Yep. Um, they had a story called Haken Grizzlebeard. 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 That's Grizzlebeard. a great name. That's good, isn't it? They are all about an outspoken princess who mocks a suitor, who then teaches her a lesson, forcing her to be more modest and deferential. Right. Or perhaps, fundamentally, we could say... Taming a shrewish wife. <gasps> well, hold on there. Does that ring any bells, it, Adam? It's ringing some some Shakespearean bells. Shakespearean bells. <laughs> Are you thinking, Mister Willie Shakespeare? <laughs> it's the one and the same. <laughs> well, you've hit the nail on the head. <laughs> the taming of the shrew. Exactly. Yeah. One of Shakespeare's most well-known comedies. Yep. Written between uh, 1590 and 1592. Batting for England, we've got Shakespeare. Yeah. You know very well, Adam, a few weeks ago, I got very excited while I was researching this uh, story, Thrushbeard. You did. There's an outdoor theatre near my castle, Mm -hmm. uh, which has just opened up again. And I saw that they were putting on The Taming of the Shrew. I was like, what are the chances? This is amazing. Incredible. But there was only one ticket left. Uh, We couldn't both go. So I bought the one remaining ticket. Got the ticket. It happened to be being performed the same day that we recorded... The Frog King. Yes. So like the first time we've recorded since February. Back together, recording Back at to Matt's get, castle. At my castle. And we were like, let's go, let's go have a celebratory drink. We're starting series three. Let's do it. We hadn't celebrated the end of series two. So we went, we went to the local inn. Yeah, the old, the old tavern. Plenty yeah. of time. Yeah, had a, cut a tankard or two. And yeah, you know what, you know what happened, don't you? <laughs> we didn't leave, did we? No, we didn't leave. And uh, I missed the Taming of the Shrew. Yeah. That I'd uh, got a ticket to. Pay good money for. Yeah. Good good Shakespeare money. <laughs> decadent. That is decadent. It's very decadent. But I've done my penance. Okay. So I can tell you what happens to Tammy the Shrew or okay. what we need to know. What, I've looked into it. So it's really long and complex. Sure. Naturally, it's Shakespeare. But the title, Taming of the Shrew, is in mm-hmm. reference to the character Katharina, or Kate, who is shrewish. So she's strong-willed, loud, quarrelsome... Kate begrudgingly marries a man called Petruchio, who then tames her through a form of mental and physical torture. Awful. So one of Petruchio's lines, I am he and born to tame you, Kate, and bring you from a wild Kate to a Kate conformable as other household Kates. So he begins to tame her, basically. Right. He locks her up and refuses her food and rest. Mm-hmm. And he even insists that she call the sun the moon because he says so. <sighs> And exhausted, she kind of eventually agrees, sure, whatever you say, Petruchio. And this is a comedy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it sounds quite bleak the way I'm putting it. At the end of the play, I'm skipping a lot. Yeah. At the end of the play, the male characters all have a bet on who has the most obedient wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> to prove it, they then get their servants to summon their wives. And to the shock of all, Kate is the only wife who shows up. So Petruchio wins the bet. And there, happy that they won the bet, we've got the famous line, kiss me, Kate. So, 
sort of a happy ending within the logic of the play, but a little yeah. bit uncomfortable for us. Yes. So that's kind of the English version of King Thrushbeard. Right. We've got Shakespeare batting for us. I mean, yeah, not bad. Not Although, bad. <laughs> You're I mean, tough it, to please. It's pretty good. So this motif of taming a shrewish wife, it isn't just in a fairly unknown mm-hmm. Brothers Grimm story. It's found across Europe, and it's even the central conceit of one of Shakespeare's most famous plays, basically. Yeah. So it feels like, oh, that's a bit of an uncomfortable, weird story, but it's everywhere. It's not good, necessarily, that it's everywhere. I <laughs> know. <laughs> hey, no judgments here. <laughs> yeah, this is a judgment-free zone. Apart from the score. Oh! Oh! Is it judgment time? It's judgment time. It's judgment time. <laughs> I thinking here a really uncomfortable story that's actually trying to push a message that we're kind of pushing back on because we don't really like it at the same time it was quite a fun and enjoyable story yeah <laughs> yeah i know what you mean that's so true. that's that's the kind of that's dilemma true. on balance i'm gonna give this a 7.5 whoa 7.5? 7.5. Okay, that's a surprise. High or low? High. Okay. I think that's quite high. That's the same you gave the Frog King Uh-oh. in our last episodes. <laughs> Hoist by my own score. <laughs> Intr- yeah, I. Uh, it did have some fun bits, but I, I just felt an intense disappointment mm. from that really cracking good opening. Yeah. So then you're just watching this girl being punished. Yeah. And I just, I didn't enjoy that at all. No. And because you're not on the side of the moral of the story. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, girls should be obedient to their fathers and yeah, husbands. Yeah, it's awful. Because you're not on that side. You can't, I didn't get even less out of it. Yeah. It's full of plot holes. Big time, yeah. I was very upset about the thrush's beak not being crooked. Yeah. Before recording, I was thinking quite low. I was thinking about four. <gasps> what, you, you're actually going to hang me out to dry here, aren't you? <laughs> no, no. Let, let Adam go first. Let him make his high score. And then I'm going to tell you all the reasons. <laughs> no, go on. What's your score? I was thinking, I was thinking about, because if we've recalibrated for the series, yeah. I think we're, we're always, we're often quite generous. Yeah. I think I've been too generous again. And actually sometimes it's like, yeah, it was, you know, it was, it had some fun bits, but it wasn't yeah. the best story. I think I'm going to go five. Okay. Because of Tall and Thin has Little In. <laughs> so That's enough dr- to bring it to a five. <laughs> yeah. And the soup spilling everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, five. That's as far as I'm going to go for thrush beers. Wow, five. I'm worried that feels very low. But, can I uh, amend mine? Are you going to amend your score? Of course you can, if you want to. I think I do want to. Okay. But not by much. I'm going to bring it down to a seven. Okay. No, no pressure. No, no. I think you're, I think you're right. I need to give a bit more. I need to leave a bit more breathing room this season for better stories than that. Otherwise, they're all clumped up together in the eight point fives and nines. And yeah. Nobody wants that. Yeah, and I, I don't think this is a seven point five eight kind of no. story. I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as the Frog King. No, me neither. Yeah. So you're right. Okay, a five and a seven. That is a respectable twelve out of twenty. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I think. I think. Yeah. I think. I think Thrushbeard will be happy with that. Yeah, I think he would be. <laughs> well, it's that time, Adam. 
to choose the next batch of stories. It certainly is. So this uh, round, often we do four. This time we're going to do three. So Adam's going to choose two, and then there'll be a poll for patrons to choose the third one, and that will take us up to Christmas time. So, Adam, what are the next two stories going to be? Well, the next two stories I've chosen are... Number 46, Fitcher's Bird. Fitcher's Bird. This okay. has been recommended at least once or twice by, by uh, listeners to the podcast. I'm intrigued. Cool. Can't tell anything about it no? based on the book. Fitcher's no, Bird. Another birdie one. Another, uh, a.k.a. Fowler's Fowl. Okay. <laughs> now I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one I would like to hear is number 69. Jorinda and Joringle. Jorinda and Joringle, or Jorinda? I don't know. Oh, I'm going to have to research that. <laughs> Jorinda, Jorinda? Jorinda and Joringle. Jorinda and Joringle. Wow, that's a bit of a mouthful. Jorinda <laughs> <laughs> so, and Joringle? I don't remember seeing that one. We yeah. have, we haven't even got that many stories left. Wow. Okay, so the next two stories are going to be Fitch's Bird and Jorinda and Joringle. The third story is going to be chosen by patrons. Our poll has gone a little bit out of whack. It has. Um, we actually got ourselves a little bit confused with this. Because we left it running over the summer. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be tight. But uh, don't worry. There'll be time. There'll be time. How it works is I choose a story. And Adam chooses a story. Anonymously, we put them to our patrons who then vote on them. The winner is read out on the podcast. Yes. So Adam is now going to reveal the names of the two stories we've chosen anonymously. Correct. So the two stories patrons will be voting for this time are The Old Man and His Grandson and Mother Hall. So that's Mother Hall and The Old Man and His Grandson. You don't know who's chosen which? Which of those titles sounds more intriguing to you? Head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to vote on that poll. And all patrons from $1 up can vote in our story poll. Everyone can vote, yes. But before you rush to vote... Mm-hmm. I'd just like to say that one of those stories is a little more Christmassy than the other. That's all I'm going to say. So, you know, just don't jump to conclusions. Have I gone to, have I broken electoral uh, rules? I, I'd Adam say is looking at the me. The Electoral Commission Daggers. is looking um, <laughs> it's reviewing very this. deeply into your campaign oh, right now. No, um, okay. I just want to, you know. But you don't know which of them is. Yeah. And I'm not going to say which one it is because that will reveal <laughs> which one Matt's <laughs> suggesting. Well, so. Well, well, you know, I think the more left unsaid, the better. Just try not to be too swayed by that and just <laughs> vote according to your conscience. Okay. That's an exciting poll. That's an exciting poll. Mm. That's great then. So the next story coming up then yeah. is Fitch's Bird. Very exciting. <sighs> Excited. Feel free to leave us a review on your podcast provider service. And our competition is on now. You could win a deluxe edition of Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, illustrated by Arthur Rackham, which we're giving away in partnership with Pook Press, publisher of vintage illustrated fairy tale books. Oh, yes. To win, all you have to do is get in touch with your answer to this question. Out of all the scores we've given to the story so far, what has been the greatest injustice on Grim Reading? Simple as that. Basically, all you've got to do is complain... <laughs> yeah. And you might win a book. And <laughs> Tell us stuff. what we've done wrong. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you could be in for uh, winning a prize. There's a list with all our stories ranked in order on our Podbean page and on our website. 
There'll be links in the episode description here and probably on social media as well. Yeah, there will be. So you can peruse the uh, rankings at your leisure and maybe your bulk at how low or high uh, score <laughs> is and you could just get in touch. Yeah, perfect. That's very exciting. It's been an absolute pleasure. It has. I'll see you next time in a very exciting episode for people who are very into their brother's grim. <laughs> We are going to be doing an episode on the lives and times of the Brothers Grimm themselves, a biography special. It's exciting. We've talked about it yeah, for a long time. It's been in the works. It's finally happening. It's going to be quite, uh, quite in-depth, quite history-heavy. Quite intense. So it might not be for everyone, but uh, it's going to be quite an adventure. Can't wait. So hopefully we'll see you then. See you then. If not, it'll be Fitch's bird. Either way, can't wait. Oh. It's a win-win. A win-win. See you then. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.